Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. A nice candy. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Cooking Show. I am your host, Bob, and this week we are making a Dutch baby little pastry with some fresh fruit, some cooked fruit, that kind of stuff. We were out of town this weekend, didn't get back until this afternoon, so I wanted to come up with something that was fairly simple and easy and quick from a podcast perspective, and luckily uh, the recipe is quick, simple, and easy from a preparation perspective also. So it's like a two for one in that regard. As with every episode, check out the show notes. We'll have the plain text recipe so you don't have to go through the whole story and all that kind of stuff. We'll have the link to the imager album so you can see the step-by-step photographs. And if there were any special ingredients or special equipment that you need, we would have that there also. This one, I don't think you need anything special. Uh, do you have a hand mixer? Do you have a whisk? Do you have a cast iron pan? You probably have all that stuff. And as far as ingredients is concerned, man, this could not be simpler. Okay. So what is a Dutch baby? A Dutch baby is a German pancake, uh, sometimes called a Bismarck or a hoot nanny. And it's basically a baked pancake that through the magic of physics, <laughs> it, uh, it, it blooms into this preposterous shape and it's really really quite cool unlike other baked goods that use things like uh let's see baking soda or baking powder there isn't you know the elevation the, the rise of this pastry is not due to a chemical reaction in the form of an acid and a base reacting creating gas and, and elevating the the dough or the what would you call it? what you call it dough, dough it starts with a batter so elevating the the pastry or whatever. In this case, we're just using the magic of steam, you know, heat transforming water, milk in this case, into steam and then lifting everything up around the edges, okay? So we'll get into how we make this for specific measurements and all that kind of stuff. Check out the show notes. I'll probably just say like, oh, you need eggs and flour and milk and yada, yada, yada. Obviously, there are specific numbers that you want to attach to those ingredients. But to get started, uh, it is ideal that if you, you use like a, a cast iron pan, probably if you have a 10 inch pan, that'd be great. I think mine is 12 or 14 inches. So as a result, that made the actual pancake part of this thinner than what it would have been if I used a smaller pan. But that's fine because it still had the, the lift in the, in the blossoming that you expect. But preheat your oven to 425 degrees. We want that to be nice and hot because we need, we need to transform the liquids into gases as quickly as possible so that you get a nice effect, a nice uh, ele elevation effect at the end. So get that uh, 425 degrees. The ingredients that you're gonna need are eggs, all-purpose flour, milk, sugar, maybe a little nutmeg, butter, and then we're gonna prepare some fruits as like toppings. And some toppings traditionally would be things like confectioner sugar, preserves, fresh fruits, cooked fruits, sometimes even like a melted chocolate drizzle, something like that. In this case, we're going to use fresh berries, confectioner sugar. We're going to make some uh, kind of like an, I don't want to say an imitation. It's not like a full-blown bananas foster, 
because we're not using like banana liqueur and dark rum. We're just going to use brandy, brown sugar, bananas, butter. Um, so we're going to make these like caramelized candy bananas that are really nice. And then also we're going to dice up some Grady Smith apples and cook those in butter and sugar with cinnamon and nutmeg. And that's going to make not quite like an apple pie filling. We're not going to cook it down to, to the point where it's gelatinous. We're still going to have a little bit of a bite to the apples, but it'll be real nice. It's a nice contrast to the sweetness of the bananas, like the rich sweetness of the bananas and the fresh flavor of the berries. It's just pretty. It's nice. It's good. If you want to do something like this from a savory perspective, this is a very similar recipe to a Yorkshire pudding that you would use for, you know, like an English Sunday roast with with gravy and, and onions and peas and all that kind of stuff. You'd probably just omit things like the sugar, maybe not add nutmeg to the batter. And uh, you'd probably grease your pan with beef drippings as opposed to butter. So basically just leaning into the savory aspect as opposed to the sweeter aspect here. So making the, the batter, we're going to add uh, eggs, flour, milk, sugar, some nutmeg, some ground cinnamon. We're going to put those all together and whip them up into a thin batter. Okay. So even though this is called a German pancake in some circles, the batter is thinner than your traditional pancake batter. It's closer to a crepe batter. Okay. So you get that all mixed up. You put your, your pan into the 425 degree oven with the butter in the pan. It's going to heat the pan up. It's not going to get it full blown, like 425 degrees, because you're going to pour your batter into this pan once the butter is melted and foaming a little bit, but before it browns. So you're just going to preheat the pan a little bit uh, and get it in there, maybe 10 minutes, you know, that'll, that'll be fine. Slide the rack out, pour your batter into the pan, and then back in there for 20 to 25 minutes. I think I ran just under 20 minutes because I was using a bigger pan with the same amount of batter. If I was using a 10-inch pan, I probably would have went the full 20 minutes, but I think I was in the neighborhood of like 16, 17 minutes because I had the nice golden brown crust on the top of it early because it was it was thinner in the pan, right? So you have, you have roughly 25 or 20 minutes in the oven there. You can work on your toppings. For the fresh berries, literally just fresh berries. Like there's no preparation there. For the apples, we dice those up, let the skins on because I kind of, I, I like that rustic toothsomeness. And I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't trying to get to an apple pie filling consistency. So it was okay if there was still some uh, of the apple skins on there. And plus they're green apples, they'll, they'll pale out in their color a little bit, but they're still attractive, you know? So dice those up, put them in a, a small skillet with a little bit of butter and some brown sugar and just get those like kind of bubbling and, and sauteing a little bit, but be careful not to caramelize that sugar. Using brown sugar, it, it is kind of wet to begin with and you don't have to worry too much. Just once it starts to bubble and it takes on like a syrupy consistency, cut the heat down because we, we don't want to get to the point where we're going to have like a, a char in there. We don't want it to be stuck to the pan when our Dutch baby comes out of the oven, right? For the bananas, slice a banana, add a, on a bias so that you have these nice little like banana fingerlings, I guess. And same thing, butter, brown sugar, and the bananas with uh, just a little bit of cinnamon and nutmeg on the top. And then probably three or four tablespoons of brandy is what I used. You could use dark rum. You know, you could use Captain Morgan if you want. Uh, you could use a banana liqueur if you want to do the full bananas foster 
treatment, but I just wanted some kind of sweet or not earthy, but like a dark alcohol flavor. Once the sauce for that is kind of bubbling and uh, the, the brown sugar is no longer grainy in the pan, you can very carefully, if you're, if you're using a gas stove, obviously take this away from the flame and pour it in there to, to boil off the, the alcohol. I'm using an induction stove, so I don't have to worry about like an open flame and the, the aerosolized alcohol. I did consider doing like a flambe, but here's the thing. It's not necessary. Like you don't have to light it on fire to get the alcohol content out of the sauce because the alcohol boiling point is lower than that of water. So when you pour it in there and it's simmering and, and, and boiling away, all that alcohol is boiling off. It's fine. And why introduce a hazard to your house when it's not necessary? Like you don't have to light your, your flambe. Well, I mean, if it's going to be flambe, it has to be lit on fire, but you don't have to have, uh, you know, an eruption of flame in your kitchen, inside your domicile to get the same type of effect. So I just simmer off the alcohol there until it gets to a nice syrupy consistency and then cut the heat so that it'll cool down a little bit, but it won't get to a point where you, everything's stuck to the pan. You know, it's still, it's still viscous and, and moving or whatever. After you know, 17 to 20 minutes, very carefully uh, open your oven and remove the pan. And you will notice that your, your batter has transformed remarkably. This is a really good bang for the buck. Like sometimes I say, yeah, sometimes a good bang for the buck because like um, onion, garlic, and butter, great bang for the buck in terms of flavor, like big flavor, very low cost. Other things, you know, sometimes it's an ingredient-based recipe where it's like, hey, get the best iteration of this ingredient as possible because that is what makes the recipe. Other times you have a process-oriented recipe where it's like, you know, making French onion soup, for example. You don't have to buy like super expensive onions, just regular yellow onions will do, but you want to pay attention to the process. You want to caramelize those very slowly over a long period of time, sweating them and caramelizing them and reducing them down till they're sweet and delicious. And uh, the process is what makes the dish. In this case, I mean, technically it's more of a process than an ingredient. There's no special ingredient that you need, but it's not a hands-on process. It is just basically a, an act of physics and a little bit of chemistry that causes this transformation. What happens is when you pour that batter into this hot pan or this pan that is heating up and you put it into the hot oven, the protein in the egg and in the flour and stuff like that, it, what would you say? It it sets, you know, it, it, it firms up. There's a, there is a chemical transformation there, but the water content of the milk and of the eggs also transforms from a liquid to a gas as it, as it boils, as it reaches the boiling point and it changes from a liquid to a gas, it lowers its density and that gas wants to escape upward into your oven. And as it does so, it basically uh, is bound up in the, in the carbohydrates and the fats and the proteins in the batter. So it creates bubbles and it lifts the batter along with the steam that's coming out. Along the edges, as it rises, that batter then touches fresh, hot cast iron along the lip of the pan. So it's like a ratcheting effect. It lifts up and it cooks against the side of the pan and that, that firms it up from a liquid to a solid and it can't 
settle back down. So it just rises, it rises, rises, and gets these nice riffs and lips around the side. And it's really whimsical and impressive. Okay, so and the fact of the matter is, is if your oven is hot, if your pan is hot, you pour that in there, it's going to do it. Like it's not going to mess up. There's no skill or special attention that you need to pay to it. It'll just happen and it's magical. <laughs> so pull it out while it is hot. You want to dust it with some confection or sugar. If you have a flour sifter, you know, the little thing where you squeeze the handle, go and it sifts the flour, put a little bit of confection or sugar in that dust the top with your sugar. If you look online, you'll see pictures of Dutch babies that have just a preposterous amount of confectioner sugar on them. I don't think that that's necessary. I mean, I kind of like to have a cleaner, not a non-cloying sweetness, you know, something that's a little fresh, something that, yes, it's a dessert. Yes, there is a lot of sugar in the toppings in particular, but it doesn't have to feel like you're, you know, slogging through a bag of sugar as you're eating this. So dust it with the confectioner's sugar. And then um, it, you should be able to just lift this out of the pan. It shouldn't be stuck to any parts of the pan because it, there was a considerable amount of butter in the bottom. And as that batter sets into a solid, it is going to release from the pan. It's not going to be stuck there. So you lift that out, put it on a cutting board. You can use a big knife and cut it into slices. And then you can lay each individual slice on a plate and top it with whatever you've done. You do the bananas foster, you do the um, the cooked apple, the diced apples or the fresh berries, or you drizzle it with some chocolate or, you know, whatever. Preserves, apricot preserves, marmalade, I don't know, whatever, whatever looks good to you uh, will work for this. And... Um, you can serve it warm, definitely. That's great, like fresh out of the oven. It's not going to hold a lot of that heat for a long time because there isn't a lot of uh, density to it. There's not a lot of thermal mass to retain the heat over a long period of time. But if you have a cooked fruit topping, that obviously will be nice and warm and delicious. But that's it. That is your Dutch baby for this week. Uh, total, you know, soup to nuts. Uh, you're looking at 25 minutes of total cook time. And, you know, you can overlap, you can do, you can prep your toppings while the thing is in the oven and then it comes out, bingo, bango, you're good to go. All right. Talk to you guys next week.